What's going on, everybody? It's time to ante up, ante up on those bets. That's what we do. My name is Justin Fenster, and along with Adam Rodas here on the Sawdust Podcast Network. Rodas, what's going on? Uh, it is a fun conclusion to the bubble play of the regular season portion. I really thought it was entertaining basketball for these last couple weeks, and we're just getting started because we still have the playing game and we have the playoffs ahead. So we missed this for a long time. We had four months without it, and uh, it was been real fun watching games all day. And uh, that will continue because uh, I saw some of the schedule for next week, and we have some uh, 1 p.m. games again. Yes, we do. And let's talk about this playing game because it's not happening in the Eastern Conference. It is in the Western Conference. We were looking like a photo finish, and it really was, Ronis, because the Blazers barely survived the Brooklyn Nets. It's 2020. This is what happens in 2020. Damian Lillard, 42 points, so hitting threes from all over the court. Starting to wonder, Ronis, Damian Lillard, I mean, after Stephen Curry, would you say that he is the most prolific scorer and shooter in basketball? That's something that I'm starting to think about because he's very Stephen Curry-like with taking those threes from a zillion feet behind the arc and draining them with ease. Yeah, he's so much fun to watch, and I've been saying it for months. The playoffs are just more fun with Damian Lillard in them. You know, he gets people excited. He gets people to watch. He drilled that three just inside the logo. I'm watching him. I'm like, what are you doing, Dave? Oh, okay. You're cool. Don't listen to me. You know what you're doing. But, yeah, he was just lighting it up. And probably the biggest play, though, was the steal he had late in the game on Levert. I mean, sacrificing his body and coming up with a big play. So the Blazers barely survived this. Uh, You know, give Brooklyn a lot of credit. Because I think everyone was penciling the Magic in as the seventh seed. I mean, if you looked at the odds before, I mean, the Magic were heavily favored to be the seventh seed because we knew the Nets – we're coming in disarray, in disarray with uh, losing players to COVID-19 left and right. Even the replacements they brought in, Michael Beasley, fell to COVID-19. No DeAndre Jordan. So there were so many problems for this team. And they came in in the bubble, and they played phenomenal. I mean, they finished 5-3. and three, And I, I, what was their over-under? Two and a half? Or maybe lower? It was pretty bad. So, yeah, they, they beat the Bucs. And the Bucs sat their starters in the second half. But still, they they were an 18-point underdogs. They won that game. They beat the Clippers. And again, I know the Clippers weren't really playing everyone. But still, the fact that they won those games uh, was amazing. And they showed a lot of heart, a lot of desire. They just didn't give up. And we can't say the same about those other teams uh, who had nothing to play for and didn't play all their players fully. Uh, But I think the Nets uh, have a lot to be proud of here, even if they go home quickly and lose to Toronto. I mean, Karis LeVert next to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving next year. I mean, Jared Allen was so many big rebounds late in the game. Uh, Nets have a lot. And Joe Harris, too. I mean, you know, he's shooting the ball really well. Uh, So the Nets uh, deserve a lot of credit here. I know we would have crushed Portland if they lost this game. Hmm. Uh, But you would have crushed me. Well, that too, but uh, you're lucky. I'll find something else. It's easy. Uh, But yeah, I mean, look, the Nets shot 55.2% from the field, you know, and uh, they got a lot of rebounds late, but I think you just give the Nets credit. What we want to see is teams come out, play hard, give their all, and the Nets have done that. You know, this is a game that they didn't need. They they didn't need to 
play their guys. They did. And it makes sense. You know, it's not like they're a veteran team. Let these guys play. You know, you're trying to develop them. You know, why sit them? Let them play. They're off until Monday anyway. So, and they're young guys, most of this team. So let them play. You know, you want to develop Levert. Uh, You know, he's obviously going to be more uh, deferring to Durant and Kyrie next season. But, you know, good to give them that experience in this spot. So uh, the Nets deserve a lot of credit here. But uh, Portland, you know, they had a hell of a run here in this bubble, too. And I, I think everyone wanted to see this. I think everyone wants to see Portland in this playing game, or most people, unless you're a Portland hater. I know I did, and I have no allegiance anywhere. I, again, I just want to see Damian Lillard play as much as possible. Clearly, the best game would have been Blazers-Suns, but we're going to get Blazers-Grizzlies, and uh, Blazers survive that the live money line late in the game was like minus 180. Even when they were down, I'm like, come on, man. Like, give me like plus 110 or something. So, uh, but the Blazers survived. The Nets had two players scoring for them. It seemed like to be at least most of the second half and Joe Harris and Karis LeVert. I want to say this about the Nets. And there have been rumors circulating this team about them wanting to add one more superstar. And I counter it, Ronis, by saying I think the combination of Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert is good enough. Whereas maybe maybe you don't have that third star to make your big three or whatever you want to say, especially on paper. But, I mean, look at what you have in Spencer Dinwiddie. How great this team was compared to when Kyrie was running the show. Now, thinking everybody's going to be back in next year, healthy and ready to go, you're going to have this guy coming off your bench being like almost like the Dennis Schroeder of the operation, and he's going to still be able to log a lot of minutes. Along with Karis LeVert, who will lose some of those touches because he'll be in the starting lineup. But I don't think they should trade any of these guys. I happen to like their complimentary players. They maybe need one more big man. I know they've got DeAndre Jordan, but that's all I think they need. Maybe some kind of combo four just to give them more size inside. Yeah, I think that's what they need too, Uh, some size. But yeah, Levert has shown a lot. I mean, he's been able to take over a game and carry a team. Uh, and he did tonight. I mean, 37 points, nine assists. So I agree. I think they don't need to go out and go crazy and get another big superstar. Uh, just look for a big. Yes, absolutely. Now the Blazers were put in a situation because they were the final game of the teams that were going after that eight versus eight a versus eight B matchup in the qualifying round of the NBA playoffs here. But before we go over what else happened on this crazy night of basketball here, time to pay some bills and let's get a word from our sponsor. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Then you need to check out monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because monkeyknifefight.com is different than the other daily fantasy sites. That's because on monkeyknifefight.com, there are no salary caps and you don't have to play against sharks, which means anyone has a chance at winning. Even you, Adam. Even you. Uh, monkeyknifefight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love. Baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, and eSports too. Monkey Knife Fight has it all. You know what else monkeyknifefight.com has? How about a free $5 game for you for just for signing up? And if you use the promo code ANTIUP, one word, A-N-T-E-U-P, you will have your first deposit matched instantly up to 50 bucks. 
With a name like MonkeyKnifeFight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play. Monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Play, play MKFing win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. So that's how we uh, pay the bills. All right, Ronis, it has been a big, big day when it's come to basketball. And while we talked about the Blazers and how you and I thought that the Blazers getting in, and let's look a little bit ahead because now at this point, by the way, let's talk about the standings now. When it comes to the Blazers, they're the 8A team at this point, technically the 8th seed. So they're not backed up against the ropes. It's going to be the Memphis Grizzlies who are without a few key guys, Ronis. I think that's something else that's very key. So if the Blazers lose this matchup in game one, they don't have to worry. Whereas Memphis loses, they're going home. Yeah, it's a huge, huge advantage. It just you know gives... Portland a little bit of a cushion in case they have a bad game because uh, they obviously have been – and Damian Lillard said it after the game, and I know we talked about it on Alarm After Hours on Sirius X and Fantasy Sports Radio. You know, the Blazers have had to play tough game after tough game. This has not been easy for them at all. I mean, just look at the last three games, okay? Last possession, they hold on to beat the Nets. The Mavericks, it came down to the end, they win by three. Even against the Sixers, it came down to the last position, they won by three. It came down late in the game against the Clippers when they actually had the lead and Damian Lillard missed those two big free throws. They beat the Nuggets by 10, but that was a game until the end. Same thing with the Rockets, they won by eight. They lost to the Celtics by four in a game they were trailing big and came back. And they beat the Grizzlies to open the bubble by five. So this every game has been tough. And they've had to play their starters big minutes. I know, I think a day ago, day or two ago, I saw like the top three players in the bubble for minutes and two of them were Portland. It was McCollum and Lillard. So, and, and that's the thing with Lillard. You can play this guy 40, 42 minutes if needed. Uh, so Portland has had a really tough road. We spoke about it at the beginning and that was the concern, uh, their schedule. And it was very difficult. And they came out of this six and two. Uh, and they probably should have been seven and one. They should have won that Clippers game. You know, they let that one slip away uh, with Paul George sitting in the final few minutes. And again, Clippers are one of the best teams in the NBA. Uh, still my pick to win the championship. Uh, but yeah, the Blazers have had to fight really, really hard here. Uh, I think they're battle tested. Again, this team went to the Western Conference Finals last year, which is why I think they're dangerous for the Lakers. I still don't think they beat the Lakers if they get in and advance past the Grizzlies, which I do. But I think they uh, – it's the worst – this is like not a typical eight seed. This is not a team you want to see in the first round. When Milwaukee gets to play Orlando <laughs> and the Lakers potentially have to play the Blazers. Right. And now if they end up having to play Memphis, then it should be a cakewalk for them. Yeah, I agree. I just – Memphis has really limped in. I was even concerned about Memphis against Milwaukee, uh, which pretty much sat. They played Middleton a little bit and that and Bledsoe, but they pretty much sat their guys. And uh, Grizzlies were able to get that easy victory when needed uh, as Dylan Brooks finally shot the ball well. 12 of 18 from the field. Valanchunas had a huge game. Uh, Morant had a triple-double. Only 12 points. Uh, I thought he was going to light it up, but they didn't need him to. Uh, but still, they only won two games here. Uh, in the bubble. So I just can't see them beating Portland twice. No, and I can't. And you talk about what 
they have versus what Portland has. I mean, you could definitely diffuse with what the Blazers have. You could definitely diffuse Ja Morant. After that, what? Jonas Valanciunas? Okay, you have Yusuf Nurkic in there as well. After that, the Blazers completely dominate the depth battle, and that's where the bench is going to have to come in. That second unit is going to be key in this qualifying series. CJ McCollum, a few days ago, the report came out that he's been playing with a bit of an injury, back injury. Didn't look so injured to me, Ronas. I mean, I don't know if someone with a bad back can play 44 minutes of professional basketball and was watching him shoot. I mean, did he not drive as much? No, but he tends to not do that, play the mid-range. But he was getting inside. He was still shaking himself through screens. I don't think the back was a big issue. Well, it, it seemed like it was the last game. He shot 2 of 14. He made a ridiculous save on a rebound too if you remember late in the game i was like wow so yeah give him credit i mean maybe he's been taking painkillers or shots i don't know uh but he hit the big shot late when they needed him 25.7 assists did struggle from the outside all of six and i'm sitting there like for the whole portland team i'm like you guys are not hitting threes late Lillard, i don't care Lillard could shoot from my house i don't care i'm not gonna criticize him <laughs> But all the other guys, I'm like, why do you guys keep shooting threes when you're struggling, man? Drive to the basket. We know Brooklyn's weak inside. So uh, they somehow survived. And look, this is not a good defensive team. We know this. That's their definitely their Achilles heel. I mean, look at just look at the scores they've been winning by. 134-131. I mean, they've just been outscoring teams. Well, They've scored 134 points in the last two games. They scored 124 against Philly, 125 against Denver. I mean, that's what they do. 140 against the Grizzlies last time. So they remember when NBA offense. games, even especially those playoff games, were like 77 to 70. Yeah, well, I remember that watching the uh, last dance. I was like, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, no, it's the, not, and no, it's not just they played a half. It's an actual right, I'm like, oh, what's the What was the over-under back then? Uh, <laughs> because, yeah, uh, I, I took the 236 and a half, the over. Uh, I figured – no one that that it would no one would stop each other with these defensive teams. The only reason why I was slightly hesitant, I'm like, well, what if Brooklyn just doesn't have it and pulls their guys? But uh, they hung in there, and we've been pretty safe taking the overs on the Blazers lately. I mean, they've gone over 240 now in three straight games, man. And I don't think this Memphis team is going to stop them either. I really don't. I, I again, we've talked about this, and I know I was one step ahead of the game, but. I just really think that Portland has such an advantage, and I I would be shocked if Memphis ends up surviving this. I would, too. Uh, You know, Portland, once I saw how things broke for them, I'm like, they're in really good shape now, and I expect them to get there. And, you know, as a NBA fan, I mean, the best series is uh, Lakers and Portland in the first round. It just is. You know, uh, Lakers fans don't want to hear that. I don't blame them because if I was a Lakers fan – I would be nervous too. I'm probably still going to take the Lakers, but it's not going to be easy. No, it's not. I mean, you just made it because Portland's involved in this. In my opinion, you go from a potential sweep five games to now I think a six or seven game series. Yeah, it could be. And look, that's not what you want in the first round. You know, you want to try and get that rhythm, get out quick. And especially when, you know, you got LeBron James at his age, you want him to get as much rest because it's going to be tough as the games go on, especially if they get where they want and meet the Clippers. I mean, that is not going to be an easy series. So you don't want to be 
taken deep in the first round. Um, you know, the Clippers got the Mavericks, and we know the Mavericks, how dynamic they can be. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, they could probably win a game or two, you know, with Luka and Porzingis. But we re- we haven't seen the Clippers full strength at a, hardly at all this year, even in the bubble. We haven't seen Montrez Harrell yet. Right. And by the way, Montrez Harrell will be able to get out there and guard Porzingis at the elbow. And I think it's going to be up to Porzingis' post moves that he's a little bit raw. I was talking about that as well earlier on other shows is that with Porzingis, yes, when he's set, he can hit shots. And definitely with that release point, you're not going to be able to block him if you're at the opposition. The guy's 7-3. But at the same time, you force him in the post a little bit, then you can play bully ball with him in the post and you can knock him out a little bit. So that's where it's going to be all up to Lucas. So they might be able to neutralize Porzingis a little bit. But Ronas, I've also said on other shows that I think that this Mavs Clippers series can be six games. I think the Mavs can take two. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, when you got Luca and Porzingis, uh, you know how dynamic they are, and they have some shooters on the outside too. And we've seen the Clippers be vulnerable this year. I've actually been a little disappointed in them, but I think a lot of it is they just haven't had their full team very often. They had Kawhi sitting out at times. George was hurt. Obviously, in the bubble, Harrell wasn't there the whole time. Lou Williams missed portions of it. Patrick Beverly's been out. So they just haven't really had their entire team whole. When they do, I just think they're too deep for for most teams in the Western Conference. Man, now every time, I think my new favorite nickname in the NBA is going to be Lemon Pepper Lou after the Magic City incident. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to know him by that. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Lemon pepper wings are not bad. Are you a wings guy? Yes, I am. But I don't think I've had lemon pepper so wings before. here's the deal. It's not just – so most wings are, are essentially tossed in a sauce. This is more of a rub. So it's a little bit different style, but it's still very good. It's zesty enough and it's still wet enough essentially where you still enjoy it and the savory flavor. But it's more of a rub than an actual sauce. That's at least what I've experienced. See, you learn a lot on Andy Up. You Andy Up on the best wings that you can get, Ronas. You get it all with us. That's right. We cover everything. Yes, including eight no teams that aren't going to the playoffs or even any kind of playing games, and that's the Phoenix Suns. I mean, they were definitely the talk of the bubble. I, I don't think anybody expected this. Remember the New Orleans Pelicans, Ronas? We thought they were going to be the major team of focus. They seem pretty out of it very quickly. And this team stole the show. And that's because of this prolific offense led by Devin Booker. Yeah, what an amazing run for them. Because no one expected it, I don't think. And no Oubre, their best defender, arguably. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Johnson played very well. Uh, Bridges had a couple big games late. So they just put it together. And they made a hell of a run. You can't ask them to do more. You know, they went down there, had eight games won them all. It's just unfortunate that they were bad enough before the bubble that it put them in such a deep hole and they needed a lot of help along the way. So it's really good for them, their development. uh, And they showed a lot. And, you know, Booker was ridiculous. Uh, He didn't go over his prop. It was like 30 and a half points. And he got like 14 in the first quarter. I'm like, oh, that's easy over. That's how it always goes, man. I know. I know. That's, yeah. The player props are tough when they're that high. Except, I guess, when it's Damian Lillard. He just keeps going over. And I want to see what his prop is on Saturday. 
that's probably going to be like it's <laughs> it's going to be like 34 35 again man it's just it is because dude I, like, I would i would probably take that too i i know i think you probably got to take the over at this point right until yeah i mean down. why not i mean you know they're going to feature him one way or another Right. I mean, until he slows down. Right. It's you just, have to. And, it, and you know, think of it like this, too. It takes a little bit of pressure off McCollum if they could get out to a lead. See, but the thing is, with a lot of the props, people are always inclined to take the over. They don't want to take the under because you don't want to root for misses. And that's where the books get you is that, you know, you don't want to take too many overs because usually it's the under that hits, but like who roots for an under, you know, you, do you yeah. really want to take under Lillard 34? Then no, come on, Lillard miss. All right, come on, miss. I got the under So that's where they get you. And, uh, definitely more of is, a rooting interest. Hoping yeah, he's hitting shots. for sure. I mean, no one likes taking the under, but you have to look at it from an objective perspective. And there are times where you go, yeah, the under is the right move. Uh, with Booker, I, I think the over was, it was a blowout. I mean, he played 32 minutes. If the game is competitive, like it was with Portland, Brooklyn, and he plays 36, 37, he obviously goes over easy. I wonder what, let me ask you something. Let's just look ahead for a second. Let's say that they end up beating Memphis, which we both think is going to happen. They face the Lakers. You then see the prop. Let's just say at 33. I, I feel like you can't take it at that point. I feel like I have to see what the Lakers can do in game one to try to stop Damian Lillard. And I feel like I'll be more of a spectator at that point. But when it comes to this Memphis game, especially this particular game, because it could be the only game that they play if the Blazers end up winning, I'm definitely going to take the over on that if you're telling me it's going to be at 33-34. Yeah, I mean, it was 36.5 for the Brooklyn game. So uh, my guess is maybe it goes down a point or two. You don't think they'll slap us in the face and make it like 40, right? No, no, because I think if you hit if you put it at 40, you're going to get way too many unders. I mean, he had 42 tonight. So and that was playing 44 minutes and scratching and clawing until the end. So, no, I don't think so. Uh, I I don't think they put it that high. It'll probably be 35 again, 35, 36, something like that. Yep. Going back to the Suns, what'd you think of what you saw from Cam Johnson? Seeing him get a, a lot more minutes because of the Ubre injury, I, I was very encouraged. There were times where I saw him where I said, this guy can play. Then he kind of got phased out depending on who was in and who was out of the lineup. I just think he's a very good floor runner, and you need those on your teams because it keeps the pace up and the tempo up on offense. Yeah, no, I thought he played very well, definitely. Uh, did a good job, uh, exactly what they needed. So that's the one thing you know that they – took out of this bubble here is they were able to develop some of the young players and play in some, you know, back to the wall games, uh, pretty much what it was. I mean, I guess the beginning, Hey, they just won a couple. Then it was like, Oh, okay. Now we got a shot. And they responded, you know, each and every time they did. And they lost on tiebreaker, which is really, really yeah, season series, man. Right. Yeah, that's that, what it was. Yeah. That's, that's how many games part. did they play the Grizzlies? I'm looking at it right now. I actually have the standings up here. The Grizzlies ended up playing. Let me make sure I'm with Must rushed. be three. I guess three. I think they were tied. The Grizzlies, yeah, they both played the same amount of games. They were both 34 and 39. No, it was the top, but that the season series, the Grizzlies won. That's what the tiebreaker was. Right. But how many times did they play each other? That I do not know off the top of my head. You're supposed to know these no, things. No, you're supposed NBA to guy. know this. Well, let's see. All right, here we go. Sunday, January 5th, they lost to Memphis. <laughs> 
Then on Wednesday, December 11th, they lost to Memphis. <laughs> and then they beat Memphis on Saturday, November 2nd. So they, yeah, two they lost they lost two of three. Oh man, that's yeah. cool. That's that's that is brutal. Very not ideal to lose via tiebreaker. You go eight and zero in the bubble, Ronis. Man, I was like the whole time we can't have Phoenix in there. Now I kind of feel bad for them because they went undefeated. Oh yeah, because yeah, they didn't play in the bubble, right? Yeah, they didn't play each other. It was Portland, Memphis. Because I just remember my like, wait, didn't they play in the bubble? Wow. Yeah, that's that's tough for them, man. Right. You know, it's not going to be tough for. I feel like, and I don't care that they won. You know, it's not going to be tough for the Denver Nuggets, the Utah Jazz. They're not going to be tough. Correction. Correction. Memphis won three of four. Oh, okay. So they still won the season series. They did. Yeah. But (laughs) different than than two out of three. You're supposed to know this stuff. Dang. Did you you get my correction? No. Yes, I just got your correction. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yes. I've been listening. Okay, good. Yeah. See, so there you go. That's so the tiebreaker. But yeah, just again, seeing them. It's so funny, man. It's just, again, seeing these teams under 500 too. There was a while where you weren't used to that with the West. It was like everybody was over 500. And then you had the Eastern Conference where you had the 16 on. teams under yeah. 500 <laughs> making the playoffs. <laughs> now it's a little bit different. Now you just got what? Oh, you got two teams under 500. And then you got your six-seeded Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, you know, what was funny. I heard, uh, I think it was Jared Allen um, before the game against the Blazers. Like, they were talking like, hey, we want to finish 500. We, we think it would be a big deal because the Nets were one game under 500 going against Portland into the Portland game. So they wound up going two under 500. So um, they were close. And Kenny uh, Atkinson shouldn't have gotten fired. I don't know what they were thinking. I, I don't. If, Do you they love Jock Vaughn that much? Nah, it probably had, you know, it had to do with Durant or Kyrie. Of course they didn't it want did. him there. I, yeah. I, and I don't understand why. I thought he did a nice job. I thought so too. He built a I mean, this roster's fun. It's so much fun. Joe Harris, talk about a guy who never gives up on plays. I mean, what could you not like about this roster? Watch Durant and Kyrie like completely destroy it. And then kind of didn't go anywhere yet, right? No, he didn't. He didn't get hired. He deserves to get a job somewhere. Of course. I'm trying to think of teams that can hire him. We thought for a second it would be the Knicks, but yes, but they ended up going because he's, he's from New York. He's a Long Island guy, right? Right. You cover he's him from Northport. Yeah. Wow, Northport! Oh my God! There you go with Kenny Atkinson. Yeah, he was done dirty. Should not have gotten fired. But that's what happens when you have Kyrie Irving on your team. I don't know if it was Durant. Could have been Durant. By the way, I knew that Yusuf Nurkic of the Blazers was aggressive. He's been diving for loose balls and everything like that, Ronis. And I'm not used to seeing that. And especially him coming off the injury that he came off of where his leg was destroyed a year ago. I cringe every time he dives for a ball. But he's very aggressive. I I forgot just how effective he was, especially in cleaning up the garbage. Yeah, it was a big game, man. Season on the line. You got to. You want to see that from everyone. And, you know, he did that. Uh, Did I don't know. The Nets got a lot of fortunate bounces on some of those rebounds, right? Like yeah, the ball just did. found their hands like every time. 
Yeah, there well, was a stretch the, where they got like three straight offensive rebounds. Well, let, let's be real, Ronis. I mean, there was definitely a bunch of points in this game where you had to have think, thought, oh, this is why the Blazers are in the position they're in. They can't rebound. Despite them having Whiteside, they can't rebound. They're, they're letting the Nets walk all over them. And you're right. There were a lot of iron unkinds, which went back to the free throw line. And the Nets started to be smart about it. They picked up on it, and they started tapping the ball back. And and that's something, Ronis, that I think more NBA teams should do. And I got to give Tyson Chandler credit because he did this a lot. Instead of focusing on grabbing the rebound, tapping it back out because more than likely you'll have three guards or right. two guards yeah. and a forward on the perimeter waiting as they're starting to get back. I don't know why more players don't rebound like that in the post. Yeah, no, definitely they should. And what's crazy is the the rebound disparity wasn't as bad as you think. It was 46-42 in favor of the Nets. It just seemed like a lot of the critical ones, especially late, the Nets kept getting them. Um, but Whiteside, uh, when he was in there, nine rebounds in 15 minutes. And that's the thing. I didn't understand why they were limiting him, you know, during this pool play. And, you know, I mean, again, 15 minutes. I mean – I don't understand. Is this just one of those players, Rodas, we've now seen it on the Heat and we've seen it on the Blazers. Is this guy better in small doses? Because that's what it I'm could seeing. Be. On two be. teams I mean, now, Rodas. We thought because of the injuries that Miami was holding him back and lack of work ethic. Maybe he's just a 20-minute guy. We saw that with Valanchunas for a while. Yeah, but what what did he do during the regular season, man? He was crushing it. And he was playing in the 30s. Right. So, I don't understand. I really don't. Maybe they're, again, maybe they love Nurkic that much more. And Nurkic is a more skilled center on the Oh, yeah. No end. question. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Right. right. And so they all definitely. love Zach Collins. They love Zach Collins from the playoffs. So last year, so that, you know, he's going to get love. He could even struggle kind of like he did. You know, that's what Zach Collins is. He's kind of a big body, but again, knows his role and knows how to utilize his body and keep plays alive. That's something he's done a very good job at. And I'll say this with Gary Trent Jr. As much as he is good on the offensive end, and again, 37 minutes playing big minutes. I just got to say that on defense, he's just as suspect as the other guards, man. He was letting, I mean, no, they didn't have an answer. I know Karis LeVert is a good player. They didn't have an answer for him. They put two guys on him, and they couldn't stop Karis LeVert. That's a problem right there, Ronis. Well, Trent also was in foul trouble. He had five fouls, and, and, and that was why part of it, too. But, yeah, I mean, look, this is not a good defensive team. I mean, it's been that way all year. It's been that way in the bubble. You know, they just outscore teams, and this that's why they're – they're not going to be able to to advance very far. No, that's I why. I mean, because the Lakers, even though you wouldn't think, the Lakers are one of the better defensive teams in the Western right. Conference. So, right. and they're you know, that's not just their offense, their defense. Look at their points allowed. You'll see exactly and what. How are they going to stop AD? That's the that's the other problem. Well, you know what? I think what they do is they'd want to try to get physical with him. I was talking to some people about this. I think what you do, Ronas, you put Whiteside on him. And you try to have Whiteside beat him up a little bit. Whiteside. Well, you're going to start Whiteside? I may start White. You know what I might do, Ronis? Here's what I might do. I might start Whiteside and Nurkic. Just to see. You you have to sacrifice somebody to AD. You might as well sacrifice Whiteside a little bit. 
Yeah, it'd be see, interesting to see if they do that. But yeah, you know, let's see if uh, they're not going to do it. Are... They're going to have Whiteside come off. The yeah, bench. I know they probably won't. But they should try. I think they go really big and they try that out first. Keep Nurkic on the block. You need the offense out of him, and then just try to beat up on Davis a little bit and see if you can get at him. What's the worst that happens? Whiteside picks up two fouls. Okay, he could sit for most of the second quarter. You bring in Collins. Yeah, and maybe Davis gets hurt and goes to the locker room. Yep, that can always happen. Remember, he is Mr. Glass, although he's proven otherwise this year. Adam Ronis, at Adam Ronis on Twitter. Catch me on Twitter, Justin Fensterman, at Fancy Sports. Ante up, will you out there ante up the cash in order to bet a potential Blazers over Lakers series win? I'm not willing to do it. What about you? We always love hearing from you on the Sawdust Podcast Network. It is Andy Up, a FantasyAlarm.com podcast. Ronis, always a pleasure, my man. Definitely, and looking forward to the playoffs. Yes, sir. Playoffs. We're talking about playoffs. That's right. For Ronis, for Fensty of Fantasy Alarm Podcast, it's Andy Up. We're always dominating. No other option. We're always winning.